Every fan knows the right player in the right position can be a game changer. Put LifeLock between your identity and identity thieves to monitor and alert you to threats you could miss. Plus, with a U.S.-based restoration specialist on your team, you won't have to face drained accounts, fraudulent loans, or other losses from identity theft alone. All backed by the LifeLock Million Dollar Protection Package. Change the game on identity theft. Save up to 25% your first year at LifeLock.com slash aware. And now a special motorcycle weather report from Progressive. And today's forecast, expect a steady breeze with 100% chance of twisting down those country back roads gleefully on your motorcycle. Some will want you, others will want to be you, and animals everywhere will yearn for opposable thumbs just to work that throttle like you do. <laughs> oh, nature's cruel design. That's your forecast, back to you. This has been a special motorcycle weather report from Progressive, where every day's a beautiful day to ride with 24-7 roadside assistance from America's number one motorcycle insurer. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Roadside assistance subject to policy terms and limits and may require comprehensive coverage. The Listening Post dissects the media. We don't cover the news. We cover the way the news is covered. Off we go with your world weather update. Kicking this one off in the Middle East. Wind continues to be a big story. So both through the Red Sea and the Gulf as well. And with these winds colliding here, it could spark some pretty big storms. Southwest Saudi Arabia, just south of Mecca, there is a potential for some flash flooding. With this hot and dry wind blowing down, it is also lifting up the sand and dust for the eastern province of Saudi Arabia. And for us here in Qatar, a dusty day in Doha at 43 degrees. Through Pakistan, it's been quite hot in the north, but we've got wet weather looking like it could track in to Lower Sin province early next week as this batch of wet weather pushes out of India. We could see two months worth of rain in Karachi over a short period of time, so we'll keep tabs on that. It is a quiet picture through Turkey, a few showers though for the northeast Black Sea coast. And I want to show you all this rain falling around the Gulf of Guinea, southern Nigeria, but that is now pushing into Benin and Togo. And it is also a wet picture for that western side of Democratic Republic of Congo, running right up through the Central African Republic and just south of Chad's capital, N'Djamena. Meantime, a breezy day for the south coast of South Africa and temperatures down in Maputo to 28. See you later. In a world where the news never ends, Understanding what's behind the headlines is more important than ever. It takes listening to the people behind the news and to the journalists reporting their stories. It's that intimacy that makes every international story local at heart. I'm Malika Bilal, host of The Take, a daily news podcast powered by the... been waiting for is here mom may be feeling excited anxious hopeful all at the same time it's a rush of emotions for her 
or it may be an emergency. Baby is coming too early than expected. So many things happen in the few hours, minutes, days when baby signals its readiness to come to the world. It's different experiences for different women. Today, we're talking about delivery here on The Baby Doctor with me, Bernice Abubedulansa. You don't want to miss any part of today's show. I'll be back to introduce you to my guest and we delve into the conversation. Do stay. Doctor, this is the show that brings you all the information and knowledge on your baby. Today, I've been joined by Dr. Paddy Ayete, and uh, he's been helping us with all the information we need. It's, it's such a, a pleasure to have you here. I love talking to you, Doc, and thank you for sharing your knowledge with us all the time. He's with Elemas Health, and much later, I'll tell you how to contact him. But, Doc, today we are talking about deliveries. It's, it's the real deal. That's the the moment we've all been waiting for, the climax of the nine months, even though it doesn't end in nine months for a lot of women. But what usually signals babies' readiness is the labor, right? It's different experiences for different women. What exactly is labor? And when do we know we are getting there? Okay, so for the pregnant woman, um, usually, she would notice a pain. Pain in her back, or over, and, and associated with the tightening of her tummy. Which, you know, during pregnancy, later part of pregnancy, you have a little bit of those, but in no particular order, it just comes and goes and comes and goes. But this time, the pain is rhythmic. So it comes, then it goes away. They notice that uh, 30 minutes later, it's back again. Another 30 minutes later, it's back again. They realize the fact that, no, every 30 minutes, I'm having this pain. When it's consistent like that, then you know that labor is starting. The next stage is that the time between the contractions, as we would call it contractions, becomes shorter and shorter. So you notice your tummy is getting hard, and then after a while it gets soft. Then the next time it gets hard, maybe in 30 minutes. But after a while, you notice that uh, instead of being every 30 minutes, it's not every 20, then every 10, then every 5. In most places, or where transportation is adequate, would say when the contractions are every five minutes, set off from wherever you are and come to the hospital. We say that in the confidence of the fact that labor takes maybe about 10 hours. 
from the first pay until when you, you deliver. And we say 10 hours because the cervix dilates from zero dilation mm. all the way to a 10 centimeters. It's approximately one centimeter per hour. Um, so that is for the typical person. Pain in the back, pain over your tummy or in the lower tummy, and the pain is rhythmic, episodic, and then after a while, it's, you, it becomes serious business, and they come to hospital. For some other people, however, they don't have that pain to start with. Mm. All they notice is, the a baby has a, okay, why? Okay. A gash of water. Right. And so they are the ones who will first notice, the water, my waters have broken, and there's no pain. Or as somebody told me on Sunday, I'm urinating, but it's not stopping. Oh, okay. Right. Because that's how she felt when she started mm. to pee, and all she knew was that, ah, the urine is not stopping, it's just continuing here. Yeah. So that actually meant you know, she had ruptured membranes. So in that case, too, we say come to hospital. And our, but our concern is that there's a risk of infection. And, and, it, and we don't want to put anything inside there until we're actually trying to deliver you. For most of those people, once they rupture membranes, give them a couple, after 12 hours or so, within 12 hours, they will start contracting and then they'll go into labor. But because of the risk of infection, we like them to come into hospital um, earlier so that we can control the circumstances mm. around. Mm. So, for, for, so generally, that is labor. Um, and there's something that we call show. And show is the release of the mucus plug. The mucus plug is what co- keeps the cervix blocked so that external organisms cannot continue to aff- enter to affect the baby. When the cervix dilates, the mucus plug becomes loose. And it comes out. Okay. And it's, it's bloody, it's blood-stained, and it's like a piece of, like, like mucus. And that comes out. That usually precedes the labor. So most women would see that first, before later on they start having the pains, before the pains get intense, and before they, then they have their pain. Is there an estimated time between when you see the, the mucus or the show yes. and when you start going into labor? Not necessarily. Mm-hmm. Some people's own last days. Some people own last only a few hours. So everybody and their... Yeah. It, it appears for women and labor, everyone's story is different. Mm-hmm. What's accounting for that? Well, we are all supposed... People, we, the, we, we know that you have contractions. We know those contractions are painful. Um, but people differ. One, in their, in their perception of pain. So somebody may have a small amount of pain and they are shouting. I used to have a patient who will be doing... Ajay, 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 ajay. Then... One time, hand was on her tummy. She started contracting, but she didn't say Ajay. Then we realized the fact that, oh, not all the Ajays were proper Ajay. Some of them were fake. <laughs> Attention-seeking Ajays. <laughs> she said, oh, no, this is a real one. This is a real one. <laughs> you had a good laugh about that one. Yeah. But so some people have a higher, a lower pain tolerance. Okay. And so the small amount of pain they have, they make quite a fuss about it. Some people have a higher pain tolerance, and therefore they, make, they, they can withstand a lot of pain and bear themselves in a very ladylike manner. One of my friend's wives, a very big woman, came in labor and was lying there in the hospital bed in her jeans in Kolebu. The midwife came and looked at her and said, it hasn't started yet. When it starts, you throw that jeans away. <laughs> <laughs> and she truly told me that when the pain started, she didn't give a care... She didn't care about anything. Mm. All she wanted to do was to be free. So she, she indeed threw the genius away. So um, then there are those rare people who don't feel pain at all. Mm. They don't feel any pain. There's one woman 
whose first pain was when the baby is about to come out. Mm. So if she's in labor on your ward and you don't monitor her, the baby will come out onto the floor. Because the first time she feels pain, it's baby's coming. Right. Could, could this be... And the then there's another one I met Sorry. who has no pain at all. Beginning to end. Even when the baby Zero comes pain, out? Nothing. Wow. All she tells you is that, I think it is coming. Then you deliver the baby and she gets up and she's done. Wow. Interesting, isn't it? But Doc, I'm just wondering if this has anything to do with age, for example, how well you exercise. Because, you know, usually you're told in the olden days when a, a lady was nearing her time, there, there's a belief that if you allow her to pound fufu or exert some level of energy, it helps in pushing the baby out. So I don't know if that is in any way related to how someone is able to withstand pain uh, when it comes to labor. Maybe not pain per se, but the ability to cope. Okay. The fitter you are, the more resilience you have, the more you are able to withstand the circumstances under which you are, you, you are in. So a woman who has, is exercises, has got good muscle tone and things of that sort, is more likely to withstand the stresses of that occurrence than a woman who ha has you know, very little exercise at all. Um, we are moving in a new direction, moving forward and moving beyond smoking. We are Altria. And our companies are leading the way in moving adult smokers away from cigarettes by taking action to transition millions toward potentially less harmful choices as we move from being known as a tobacco company to being recognized as a tobacco harm reduction company. Altria is moving beyond smoking. Find out how at Altria.com. Are you struggling to lose weight and keep it off? Tired of wasting time and money on starvation diets that lead to more frustration and stress? If there was a weight loss solution that could actually work for you, would you try it? Then head to Golo.com. I'm Steve. I lost 138 pounds in nine months on Golo. I'm Amber. I've lost 128 pounds with Golo. If you're ready to take back control of your life, head to Golo.com now and see how Golo can work for you. That's Golo.com. My sleep is way better. My inflammation has gone way down. Golo saved my life. I was way overweight. That's what sent me down the path. I wanted to make sure and live for my kid. I have literally tried everything. I was on the verge of getting gastric bypass surgery and I saw the Golo commercial and it was the last thing I tried because it worked. Join over 2 million people who found a better way to lose weight with Golo. Your healthier and happier life begins at Golo.com. That's G-O-L-O.com. Again, G-O-L-O.com. You've been dreaming about the dress. Come find the one at David's Bridal. The most glamorous designer wedding gowns are now 15% off. Bridesmaid dresses that fit beautifully start around $99. Whether you need a veil, jewelry, shoes, or even lingerie and shapewear, it's all at David's Bridal. Take 20% off outfit-making accessories for a limited time. Stop by your local David's Bridal store or shop davidsbridal.com today. Terms and conditions apply. Macy's one-day sale is going on now with great deals of the day on fall updates, like 40% off outfits for the office that work off the clock, too, and 40 to 60% off shoes, handbags, and accessories to finish your look. And get 25 to 40% off your favorite beauty, skincare, and fragrances. Plus, get free shipping with any online purchase of $25 or more at Macy's. Savings off sale and clearance prices. Exclusions apply. Here comes Pumpkin. 
And here comes you into a Dunkin', living your wildest pumpkin spice dreams. Because Dunkin's Pumpkin Spice Signature Latte is here. Rich espresso, flavors of pumpkin spice, and a whipped cream topper hit with caramel drizzle and cinnamon sugar is ready for sippin'. Order the Pumpkin Spice Signature Latte today. America runs on Dunkin'. Price and participation may vary. Limited time offer. Terms apply. For whatever reason, there's always been a stigma around mental health in our communities. Some people say that talking about your feelings makes you weak. But you know what? It doesn't make you weak. It makes you human. No matter what you're struggling with, you can call or text 988-LIFELINE to connect with a trained crisis counselor and get the resources and support you need. No judgment, no stigma, just hope. Text or call 988-SUICIDE-AND-CRISIS-LIFELINE day or night. 988-HOPE has a new number. At Pennzoil, we have one job, pioneering a motor oil so advanced, you don't have to think about your motor oil. Instead, you can think about how your engine sounds, how your stomach feels as the RPMs build, how your wheels hug the curves, and how, with the Pennzoil Platinum up to 15-year, 500,000-mile protection guarantee, your adventures will be many. Pennzoil. Long may we drive. Find it at Firestone Complete Auto Care. Enrollment required. Keep your receipts. Other conditions apply. See Pennzoil.com slash warranty for full details. Wendy's new breakfast two for three dollar biggie bundles let you create your own delicious combo. Choose from a sausage biscuit, egg and cheese biscuit, small seasoned potatoes, and a medium hot coffee. But it's obvious which combo's the best: sausage biscuit and small seasoned potatoes. Well, maybe it's the fresh cracked egg and cheese biscuit with a medium hot coffee, or two savory sausage biscuits. Yeah, uh, whichever you pick, you can't go wrong. Choose wisely. Choose Wendy's new two for three dollar biggie bundles. Limited time only. U.S. price of participation may vary. Not valid in a combo. Single item at regular price. A toast to our new college grad who fills us with so much joy, almost as much as when we're in our RV. Oh, the world is your oyster, kiddo, and ours too. Now that we're covered with Progressive, Dad and I can hop in our RV anytime we want. Might even splurge on a retractable awning. Oh, look out. (laughs) Sorry, what was I talking about? Protect your loved one with an RV policy from Progressive. Take as little as four minutes to see what you could save at Progressive.com. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. In this way, I think generally uh, we are lacking in, in terms of allowing a support person to be there. Because, you, Doc, you can imagine in our public health facilities where, one, they are inadequate facilities, we are even overstretched as staff. We don't have the time to pamper and massage you and... You know, so I, it's, it's, it's interesting that you mentioned the importance of these things, especially for women when they go into the, into the labor ward. But let's now look at the types of birthing methods. Um, I remember chatting on a story about the squatting method um, in other parts. I'm told in Israel, for example, it's, it's very used um, where women don't lay on their backs. Usually they're allowed to use is there a chair or something of the sort that allows you to sit in and push, just run us through the, the birthing um, methods. And well, what we have here, mm. or it's most common here, is a lie on your back. If you're not lucky, the bed is flat. And so, uh, technically, it's actually against gravity. We are trying to drop something down, and we put you on a flat surface. So we have eliminated the advantage of gravity in that process, which is not the way we should do things. Um, so that, but that is what unfortunately exists in quite a number of uh, places. Then we have the inclined, where if you're lucky enough or fortunate enough, the delivery bed allows you to incline. Where you are almost in a squatting position, they are not really squatting and leaning forward. You are still leaning back, but you are up 
that your head is up, your chest, your torso is up, and then your bottom is down. And then you allow you to, to push, and your legs are on stirrups, allow you to push and to deliver. Then there's a squatting method. The challenge with the squatting method is that you need the patient to be high up for the, you, the clinician, to be able to go beneath and assist in the delivery of the, of, of the baby. And because it's technically a little bit um, challenging for the back of the person who is doing the delivery, mm-hmm. if you're an older midwife, you're not very enthused <laughs> in having to bend like this under somebody. And when I want to push, you're not pushing hard enough. It's not exactly yeah. easy. However, for the mother, that would have been the easiest way for the baby to just come out. Because in that position, gravity is working at its maximum. She was in the squatting position. Her legs are wide apart. Her pelvis is tilted at an angle that will allow the baby to come out. It's actually physiologically the best method to... to the same thing like they tell us that when you are using the toilet, your legs should be flexed up because yeah. you actually... It's, it's a more physiological position. So that would be nice if we could get more people to deliver that way. But uh, the logistics of it and the little challenge that comes with it. But with time, mm. with time, I guess we'll be working on that method um, a, whole, a whole lot more. Then there are those who deliver underwater. Yeah. And, 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 and we see that a lot. In fact, from squatting and underwater at the same time. Mm. So um, in other places, you see home-assisted births mm-hmm. uh, where you have a, uh, a midwife or a health professional. In, 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 in the presence of family sometimes, mm-hmm. a husband who is sometimes in the in tub the yeah. with the wife and you know, as going through the pain with her and all mm-hmm. that. And emotionally, I don't know about whether it actually helps relieve the pain itself, but emotionally, um, it's, it's such a good support for, mm-hmm. for a lot of women. Um, I don't know how long it will take us to get there as a country. Do you know if people have home-assisted births? I mean, besides rural communities where it almost is um, a norm. Yes, yes. It, it is possible to get... I, I, I knew a midwife who was doing uh, home-assisted births in, in this country. She was doing water births too oh, okay. um, in this country. So, but it's not very common. Mm. And um, we are tend to be afraid of what if something happens. And so how quickly can you get to a big hospital that can provide you with the right kind of service? Those are the kind of things that give, that give challenges. And because our ambulance services are not too great and our roads are choked with traffic, it makes that option a little bit challenging to offer. However, delivery is actually a natural process. And most people should be able to deliver without too much hassle. And so if you really think about it, if a woman has had a child before, and the child she's carrying is below, let's say, 3.5 kilos, and she's an average-sized woman, um, the chance of her having, and the baby's coming with a head, and she hasn't got any medical conditions, the chances of her having a challenging pregnancy are really, a delivery, are really smaller, or should I say smaller than, you know, the other uh, ladies who don't have those kinds of things. So those may be good candidates to consider having a, a, a home birth. Mm. But you have to pay for the service of the, of the clinician, nurse, whoever it is, for the entire duration of your labor, and that entire bill is upon your head. It may be a little bit expensive. Mm. Doc, um, so you, you just said it's a natural process. And here in Ghana, unfortunately, we have had people classify cesarean sessions as um, an option for weaker women, women who cannot stand the pain. We've seen women who say that, oh, um, my child will go through it. Don't use a knife to, you know, touch her. In Memphis, she can do it. I did it. She can do it. And then sometimes they force these women into complications that end up 
you know, sometimes in the loss of lives. There's yes. also the religious aspect of it where, oh, my pastor says I'll give birth like a Hebrew woman and all those kind of things. What informs what the best option is for a woman in terms of whether to do and um, go through the vaginal birth process or have a cesarean session? Well, in the olden days, the doctor would look at you and say, after examining one, two, three, four, I think you should have a cesarean section. Nowadays, it's a collaboration between us and the, and the patient. Yeah. So you'd examine the patient, you assess the situation, and you'd give options to the client. Usually, if you think she can give a, a vaginal delivery, the discussion of cesarean section doesn't really come up unless the client brings it up. If, however, you believe that there are things that you should be careful about, then you would have to have discussions with the client as to the fact that because of maybe your blood pressure and the levels at which it has gotten, we can't wait for the duration of labor of 10 hours. We think your blood pressure crisis is such that the baby needs to come out as quickly as possible because that is the solution to solve your hypertensive crisis. So we offer you a cesarean section because we need to take that baby out quickly so that the blood pressure can come down so that you can live. Because if we wait, it may, you may get into a situation where you may have an eclamptic fit and have a convulsion, you can have a stroke, you can, and you, you can use, lose both your life and your baby's life. And therefore, we don't think it's the best option for you. Let's truncate the process by having a cesarean section. Or we've examined your baby, and your baby's size is too large for your pelvis by the assessment that we have done. And we think it will be in your best interest to have a cesarean section. Now, those, those kinds of ones, the women always t- tend to say, oh, I want to try. Then you say, okay, you shall try. Then when they get to seven centimeters and it's not progressing, then they say, I want the cesarean section. I want it now. No, 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 you don't have five minutes to prepare. I want it now. now. <laughs> and is it possible at that stage, seven centimeters? Oh, yeah, can do a cesarean section. Seven, okay. eight, even nine. Okay. You can do a cesarean section. But the challenge with these kinds of patients is that once they get to the end of their threshold, the end of their ability to withstand, they are very impatient about getting the baby out. And, and they so, may even blame you in oh, case yes. of any if, eventuality. If, 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 even the five minutes you wasted, they'll blame you because to, to her, she has made up her mind now, do it for her now. Meanwhile, I gave her options earlier on, but you know, it happens, it's life, it's human beings, we all, we all go through that. So, um, so, like a big baby, a big baby is a problem. Um, um, the baby's position may be wrong. When we're in school, or when I was in medical school, we learned how to do deliveries with the bottom. So the time comes, baby comes in with the bottom, we're like, oh, no problem, we deliver with the bottom. Then somebody did a study, looked over 20,000 deliveries and said, oh, babies that come with the bottom don't do as well as baby that comes with their head. The recommendation then became, oh, do cesarean sections for babies that come with their heads. They come with the bottom. They, that come with their bottom. If they come with the bottom, do a cesarean section. So the challenge with that is that more and more people are finishing their training not knowing how to deliver babies at the bottom. So the day you have a baby with the legs sticking out, you're in trouble because you never learned that, that whole process. And, and that is the reason why they suggested the cesarean section is that the complications are a little bit more for babies that are coming with their bottom compared to babies that are coming with their head. And so rather than get into that kind of trouble, just do a cesarean section and for them. So that, for example, now, the recommendation would be, hey, I think we should have a cesarean section mm-hmm. because of that. But at any point in time, it's the patient's life and their body. And once they are well aware of the facts, the complications, the risks, and the benefits, 
and they make their choice, we respect their choice. If we disagree with them, we may ask you to write the fact that, yes, you've explained and I still want to go this way. But at the end of the day, it's your, the autonomy of your body is something that we respect and respect mm-hmm. very, very, very seriously. So after we, come to, we have our discussion and you've made your choice, we respect it. So it's a case of planned CS for some women and some of them in an emergency situation. Yes. So somebody can have um, a prenatal care where everything was fine, there were no signs of baby being too big or mother not having the ability because of um, hypertension issues. But the day has come and the complications set in. Mm-hmm. And so in that case, if the mother is not able to give you her consent, what do you do as a doctor? Wow, trouble. Um, hopefully, during this pregnancy, you have had occasion to have met the spouse. And so you would, at that moment, this is the problem. I need to contact the spouse because she's not able to. We need some help in helping her to come to a, 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 a decision. So let's say you come to hospital and baby's heartbeat is poor, extremely poor. Um, and then we realize the fact that and it's getting worse. It's, if you continue watching it, it's going to go out so the heartbeat goes and baby is dead. So you think you have to intervene quickly. And the client, for example, in this example is now, you know, doesn't believe, doesn't understand, still trying to work her way around because of some of these belief systems. If you have access to the spouse, you have a chat with the spouse, let the spouse talk to the, to, to, to the client to make her, help her to come to a decision that to be in the, in the, in the baby's um, best interest. The cesarean section is not because the mother cannot give birth. The cesarean section is that the baby cannot wait till the mother gives birth okay. and still be alive. Okay. So it's for the baby's sick. So we like to say that if, um, if the baby has a crisis, then we would prefer to inconvenience the mother for the baby to live. You understand? But if the baby does not have a crisis, why should the mother be inconvenienced? She can go through the process, you know, take her time and go through the process as normal. So you try, try and get the spouse, try and get a relative, try and get people to, you know, speak to her. Because in the example I gave you, time is of essence. And the longer you wait, the outcome gets worse and worse. We think only about the fact that, oh, baby dies. What about the fact that baby suffered loss of oxygen? Mm. And later on, baby is born with brain damage, right. even though born vaginally. Mm. What have we gained? Yeah. What has anybody gained from that? It's, 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 it's a distressing situation. and We'd rather not have it. I've seen a occasion where uh, a mother... A, babe, a woman refused a cesarean section. Refused. Outright. And her mother was outside. They brought her mother. And the mother too said no. And talk, talk, talk. She refused to have the cesarean section. And then the baby died. This was years ago when I was working in a public hospital. The baby died. Then the husband eventually came to visit and was told about the problem. And the woman's excuse for not having the surgery was that she said, they don't have money. And the husband came and said, no, I'm wealthy. I have money. The problem is, is the woman and her mother who have this belief that they shouldn't have, a knife should not cut her. But her story gets worse. The baby still didn't come. So you had to do the CS Not, not me, but so, somebody had to do a cesarean section for her eventually. What did you gain? It's a very painful experience. Everybody was heartbroken. 
because this was unnecessary. Hmm. Well, for those of you out there who still stigmatize people who have decided to have a cesarean session for whatever reason, best known to them, I hope you learn something from this and you realize that um, there's absolutely no point in stigmatizing women, especially if they have to go through this and they choose to go through it, whether it's planned, whether it's an emergency. All we need, like doctor said, is for mother and baby to be hale and hearty. There is a lot to talk about when it comes to delivery, and Doc and I will be back to finish that up. much for staying on the baby doctor with me Bernice Abubedolansa. Today our topic for discussion is delivery. I'm sure you've learned so much from Dr. Uh, Paddy Ayete and uh, he is with LMS Health. He has so many years of experience, so much knowledge to share with us and we are always grateful to have him here on the baby doctor. So doc, we're talking about cesarean session and natural, well not natural because vaginal, I mean, vaginal delivery. Um, but there are, even though there are certain things that women of the older, older generation do to sometimes make the process complicated for younger women who are trying to, you know, go through the process. Like you mentioned, a mother and her daughter insisting they won't have a cesarean, eventually the child dying, and eventually a cesarean happening. There are those who also have very good stories to tell of how their mothers coached them, um, especially through the the, the, the pushing process. So someone says, my mom taught me how to do it and in three pushes I was done. What are the things we need to know to help us have a successful delivery? Because sometimes it appears there's a knowledge gap, especially with the younger generation who try to discard everything that the older generation says because we feel like, <laughs> oh, please, you're old school. I mean, let's, let's do a thing. What are some of the things we need to know to help us you know, go through this successfully? Um, labor is a marathon. It's not a sprint. So all that shouting that you are shouting when you are three, four, five centimeters, burning all your energy, you will need that energy when it comes to push. Pushing that baby out may be one of the hardest things that you ever do. When the time comes and you need to push, some people are lucky. The uterus, uterus contracts, the contractions are so strong, the baby comes out with an irresistible force. 
they are the lucky ones. Some other ones, they need to support the contractions for the baby to, to, to come out. So conserve your energy. There's really no advantage in all that shouting and screaming. I don't even think the shouting and screaming relieves your pain. So I don't, I don't quite get it, what they hope to gain by, apart from creating attention and causing a scene. Um, if they get a chance to have some energy drinks, energy-producing drinks, like drinks that have sugar and things of that sort, please drink it. Um, sometimes they don't want you to drink too much in case you have a cesarean section. Uh, we don't expect you to drink one whole bucket of water. <laughs> but a, a glass, a small bottle or two of something that would give you energy, uh, something that contains quite a bit of sugar or something, please drink so that you have enough energy for this thing. Um, when you get a chance to sleep, sleep. Sometimes we give you injections for pain relief. Uh, my patients say it doesn't really relieve the pain too much, but it makes them sleepy. Please, when you get a chance, sleep. Because there's work to be done. But when it gets to the end, and we say you should push, we want you to use every ounce of strength in your body to push. And when you are pushing, every noise you make through your throat, you are reducing the pressure that should be pushing the baby out. So all that, ah, you eat, mm -mm, we don't want to hear. Because every time we hear you, it means the baby is getting less of your energy. You are using part of the energy to shout instead of focusing on the pushing. No, you are not disturbing us. You are just reducing your own efforts. Okay. And so we would encourage you to give it your hardest effort. At some point, we tell you, stop pushing. And that's because you are not contracting. Okay. Some people will now want to be pushing. When you <laughs> tell them, don't push. It's a waste of energy. Wait until we say push. Because if you're, if you're contracting and you add the push to it, you get a better result than if the uterus is flabby and you are pushing by yourself. You don't really go, you don't really go that far. And depending on how they position you, you would ask you to hold your thigh. Holding your, putting your hand under your thigh and pulling it back, not only gives you a position that allows you to push harder, but also widens your pelvis a little bit, creating a little bit more space for the baby to slip through. So all these are small things that you can try and do to try and make that particular portion of your work a whole lot easier. Mm. And, and a few rounds of sex before you go into labor allows the cervix to be soft, it dilates faster, it responds better when we give you medication to try and pump the to labor to come and can actually make your labor shorter. Okay, you heard it from Doc, not from me. So all you heard the old folks say is not a myth. At least that one is not. Um, doctors are encouraging you to have a lot more sex when your time is due. Yes. Um, it's but, a sperm we need, though, not a long round. It's a okay, sperm. okay. So if it's going to do long rounds with no sperm, it's of no use to me. All right. We want more sperm. But, Doc, um, is it the case, though, that when women are nearing their time, they actually don't want to have sex? Yes. So it's more of a chore than Yes. A, it is more of a chore at that particular point in time. But it's a necessity. Well, the same way that the woman didn't want to have sex, but when she decided she wants to have a child, she chased her husband for sex every day. <laughs> that same method. Right. She should apply it at that time. Mm. Mm. Because I know women who are like, oh, what's for sex, dear? But when you want to have a baby, to call the man morning, afternoon, evening, doctor says we should have sex. Uh, the husband is tired. Says, hey, doctor says we should have sex. Yeah. The woman she has the baby, then she switches up. Yeah. Yeah. And, and, Doc, I like the bit where you talk about pushing through the contraction because, well, I was coached, but that was a real shock for me because mm. that was a real shocker, rather, because that is extremely painful. Mm. 
when because my idea was when the pain subsides then you rather push <laughs> it makes sense right but you have to push through the pain mm -hmm. and there are no words to describe that level of pain but it takes your mind off the pain a little bit doesn't it because then you're focused on the pushing right you're right mm. all right this this delivery business is not a joke and all the nine months of prenatal care, all the medication, all the sleepless nights, this is where it culminates. And that's why um, Doc is here to give you the tips. And I hope you've learned something, um, especially on resting, right? Because um, it's important that you store, you store up energy uh, for, like Doc says, the journey ahead. Um, Doc, in Ghana, there is a sad occurrence of, maternal mortality and sometimes when you hear the reasons you just wonder if the story would have been different if certain decisions were taken earlier or probably the person was in a different jurisdiction um, in your almost two decades of practicing what have you found to be the reasons why women lose their lives in the process of giving life it's always a sad situation when a woman loses her life it's I mean, I, I was telling you earlier that I chose this profession because people don't die. So when somebody dies, it's a big, big, big deal. Where I come from, is even a taboo to talk about it, that somebody went to give birth and died. It's, it's not even discussed. But it's that, it's that terrible. Um, there are various problems that may contribute to, to, to this. Mm -hmm. um, some start from the home and in, in their community. And then the ability to access health care then their ability at the healthcare point to decide that this is that this is what you need and this is where that service can be rendered and if you get to that place whether that service can be rendered at that particular place so mm -hmm. we've got people who have got a crisis at home and then the decision that okay let us go to the hospital often doesn't come early enough mm -hmm. and because husband is not home there's no money there's nobody to take care there you know all that kind of stuff some people travel long distances to get to the hospital. So by the time they get to the hospital, that delay has resulted in a situation getting worse. Uh, you get to your nearest hospital and the treatment, they either delay in discovering that this is the care that you need and therefore putting the intervention in place, or they are not capable of providing that service and they discover it early enough and now say, oh, you need to go to the big hospital. So then you travel a longer distance um, through sometimes bad roads, across a canoe, uh, water, Bridge has flooded, other kind of circumstances. Now that it's raining, for instance, we have more of such problems. Till you get to the bigger hospital. The bigger hospital may be overcrowded um, and may have other emergencies before you got there. So by the time it gets to your turn, it becomes every time you come out of theater, you're looking as to who is the worst, who is in the worst condition. To Let help. me take that one. Mm -hmm. Who is in the worst condition? Take that one. If you're not fortunate and you're not in the worst condition, you keep going back and back until you become a crisis and then yours may not. Um, it may not work out. And then there are problems with um, resources. Blood is an issue. I have mm -hmm. learned to operate without needing blood because I realized that you don't always get blood when you need it. So you have to figure out a way to do your surgeries in a manner that will ensure that you don't need blood. So I've, I rarely transfuse patients. But that is because I have learned to work, do my best not to require it. And occasionally you've got a patient who you've done surgery for and her blood is not clotting. And therefore, you need a lot of blood. Um, um, uh, when recently the Japanese, the former prime minister was shot 
and they got him like 100 units of blood. We're looking at each other and wondering, where can I get 100 units of in blood Ghana. for one patient in Ghana? In her blood group, mm. 100 units. <laughs> it's going to be tough. So those are the kind of challenges that, you know, one, 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 one faces. And um, we are, a lot of times we are, even when you get to the center and they are able to try to save your life, they're also thinking of how to save her fertility. When sometimes you should just decide that this person, yeah. retire, she should go on retirement. And that ability to take that decision early that she needs retirement rather than let me try and save it. All these things. And that's taking out the whole woman. Yeah, take out the uterus. Oh, take out, at some point, you see, with experience and seeing the calamities that occur for inadequate disinadequate that you realize that sometimes the best thing to do is take out the uterus. Remove the cause of the bleeding. Let her live. Yes, she may insult you tomorrow, but she'll be alive to insult you. <laughs> I like and that. And for me, I'll take that any day. Mm. But there are also stories of women who, I had one recently um, of a doctor. Um, I, I understand that she, she used um, the IVF process, conceived, you know, went through the process, gave birth beautifully. Vitals were checked. She was okay. BP was normal. Everything, temperature. Before they realize, this lady goes into some sort of fit or seizure, and within minutes, she's gone. What leads to that? I don't have the specifics of that case, mm. but if you say fit or seizure, um, there's something we call postpartum eclampsia. I cannot say specifically that's what happened in this obviously. case, but I can give you an example. So eclampsia is when your blood pressure goes up to a certain extent that it causes you to have a seizure. Now, when you have the seizure, before pregnancy, before delivery, and you have a seizure after delivery, the seizure after delivery is even worse than the seizure before delivery. The, the consequences of the one after is worse than the one before delivery. And, they have, and sometimes you check their blood pressure, it is normal. Everything is normal, or it appears to be normal. And the blood pressure starts rising on your blind side. It may not be a gradual process so that by the time you check it again, you understand. Or it to be hoovering around borderline, just below borderline, then it goes up. And then before you are aware, it has gone up so high to the extent that she has the seizure. If she has the seizure, and during the seizure, she vomits, and she breathes the vomit down her lungs, her own vomitus has choked her. And when your lungs are choked, your brain has four minutes. And then brain goes, and everything else follows. So it's possible that everything seems okay, mm-hmm. blood pressure goes up, and it just goes pine, pine, pine poorly mm. immediately after that. So that, in this case, for example, something that could have, could have happened. Or when she had the, the seizure, the way the blood pressure went up, the seizure, in addition to the blood pressure, caused blood vessels to burst in her brain. She had a stroke. But the place the blood vessel burst was a very, very critical part of the brain. Not like it takes away your speech or your left side, but the part that controls everything. It is a tough journey for a lot of women, but Doc, um, some of the unfortunate incidents happen to the babies as well. Mm -hmm. There are people who have very great, um, um, you know, reports on how the child was faring, first trimester, second trimester. The child is fine, heartbeat is good, you know, everything is perfect, and then we have a stillbirth. I have always wondered what causes a stillbirth. And, and 
sometimes you almost want to question why go through all this hard work and go home without your baby. Yeah. It's very sad and frustrating. What are some of the reasons for stillbirth? Well, for a lot of them, we don't know. We can check. You can do. We can give you theories as to, but we can't tell you that it is this that caused it. Mm. For some of them, there are con conditions that the mother had. Um, so if the mother is hypertensive, for instance, um, they can have stillbirths. Some of them would have, if the hypertension is poorly controlled or there are difficulties in controlling it or it's quite chronic, it can cause the baby to be small in size, small in size, a smaller placenta, small nourishment. Baby grows, it's not growing as well. The trick is, how do you know when to deliver? So you're trying to manage it to get to avoid prematurity. And one day, the placenta just says, I'm not going to work anymore. Baby is dead. We've got people who are diabetics. Diabetics are notorious for unexplained fetal deaths at near term. Everything can be going okay. Then one day, heartbeat is gone. So these, these two conditions, at least we know the mother had something that these are related to. But there have been patients that that we can't find a, a, a cause. There's a lady who, she was, everything was doing okay. Then around, let's say 35, 36 weeks, the placenta separated from the wall. You check her blood pressure is normal. Usually that happens due to blood pressure issues. But she had a normal blood pressure. But the placenta separated from the wall. And so the baby wasn't getting oxygen because now there's a gap. The placenta is no longer getting blood to take the oxygen and give to the baby. Baby basically lacked oxygen and died. But, Doc, are there ways as a mother you can tell if there's something happening to my baby, right? Um, yeah, so that, you know, we can avoid some of these things. Okay. So every, every mother should know how her baby behaves. And a mother who is observant to tell you, when I drink Coke, this is how it behaves. When I drink tea with plenty of sugar, if I eat ice cream, this is how it behaves. <laughs> if I eat yam, this is how it behaves. If I eat... So, any mother with observant tends to know how the baby behaves. By the way, the Coke is plenty of sugar, so then the baby gets hyperactive. Reasons why you shouldn't give Coke to your young children, mm. especially in the evenings. Otherwise, you won't sleep. <laughs> it's the biggest mistake you can make. <laughs> Sleepless nights. Oh, you and the baby, you lost their way Their energy level becomes Superman level. Mm. So, but, you know, um, a mother be, should be able to tell how the baby behaves during, based on what you are going through. When your heart rate goes up, the baby's heart rate too goes up. It, it kind of reflects some of these things. So if your baby normally behaves in a particular way and you notice a change, please give your doctor a call. Pass by. Let them just check your baby for you. Because there have been patients who have said, I've not felt my baby moving today like I normally feel. They come to the hospital and you check and the heartbeat is really slow. In other words, you caught the heartbeat before it went. Yeah. Those are the ones that you want to get them into theater within an hour and taking that baby out. If you can do it in 20 minutes, you'll be happy. Rush to theater. <laughs> take that baby out because you are trying to take it out before the heart eventually stops. And those babies like that have been saved. and came out very normal. No damage or anything. But that's because they were caught before they went, only because the mother was vigilant. Then there are some mothers too who come and see you and... When you ask them, what was the last time you felt the baby moving? They say, four days ago. Then they say, why didn't you come to the hospital? Oh, I was waiting till my next appointment. So, in fact, I only came today because I saw some blood. So I was wondering why. That's why I came. But she hasn't felt a baby for four days. And it was all right with her. There's something we call a kick count, which is a chart that we, we tell you to keep. And you count from when the time you start counting 
how much time does it take you to get 10 cakes? And if you know your average, that is within four hours, I get 10 cakes. Then you know that the day in four hours, you've gotten six. Something is not right. You understand? So if we need you to monitor, we ask you. Sometimes we give you a chart to be able to do it. But on average, a mother should be able to tell that, Charlie, today I'm not feeling my baby like usual. Mm. And have it checked out. Look, there's nothing better than wasting your time and money to go to the hospital for them to take a baby and they tell you that baby is fine, go. Because you don't want them to tell you, we checked and the baby is not fine. That means we have to rush to an emergency. But the worst news of all is that you didn't check and the baby has passed. Mm-hmm. And maybe you could have done something. So it's better to be wrong than oh, sorry. Oh, be- it's better to be wrong so- than sorry. Please don't let anyone bully you into thinking that you're being too dramatic. Because, you know, sometimes, especially if you're a first-time mom, oh, these things happen. You know, you hear, though, why are you being too, oh, too excited? These things happen. Uh, the midwife has got a, 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 Sony, a machine, it's a small Doppler. She can put it on the baby, find the heartbeat, and we'll look at the trend of the heartbeat. And if she notices that the trend is good, she can tell you that, oh, your heartbeat has been persistently good over a few over like 10 minutes i think you are being a bit too anxious it's, it looks good mm-hmm. or there's a machine we call a ctg that draws a graph that can actually connect you to and then it will draw a graph you can observe the ctg over a period of time and so the pattern is good you are okay and then there are sometimes you look at ctg and say no the pattern is bad and i think we need to intervene and deliver you as quickly as possible well uh, i hope you've learned so much i have personally learned so much you know what um, we will be uploading these episodes, share them with a friend so that somebody's life will be saved. Most importantly, uh, one of the things you should take away from today's episode is that as a mother, as a pregnant woman, woman, always understand what's happening with you and don't be shy to call your doctor or don't think that you'll be, uh, you know, called too known or too excited and so you just um, ignore some of these important um, signals that your baby may be giving you. I'll be back to wrap up with Doc, but here are some tips for you today. Tidbits on labor and delivery. Know the signs of true labor. Report early to the clinic when you see signs of labor. Listen to your care provider's instructions when in labor to help deliver your baby safely. We look forward to a smooth delivery and a healthy child. Hope you learned something from those tips. Uh, it's now time to wrap up with Dr. Paddy Aete. He is at Elimas Health and he is an obstetrician gynecologist. Doc, thank you so much for joining us today. So your parting words to any woman who is hoping to have a baby in the process or bringing a child to this earth, or just at the point where they have to push? Um, have a baby as early as you can, if you can. Um, uh, you can always do a lot of things in life, but you can't always have a baby. Uh, pregnancy can be a relatively pleasant experience if you get the right kind of support and you follow the advice that has been given to you, and you look after yourself. Um, know your body, know your baby, listen to your baby, and be your own advocate. When you f- if you feel something is wrong, please insist that you are, you are looked at. Labor is challenging. It can be made easier. And 
um, if you go about it properly, it is not as bad as the stories as, as, as you have been told. Mm. And um, we are looking forward to seeing you with your baby and celebrating you on the next Mother's Day. Great. I like that. So, LMS Health is looking forward to seeing you as well. Um, if you need any help on fertility issues, Doc is ready to help you. And he and his team, well-experienced team, you can reach them on 24 80755680248075568 or you can locate them at 10A Volta Street Airport Residential Area and um, very close to the National Service Secretariat just down the road relatively opposite that facility and so please reach Dr. Paddy Ayate and he will be there to help you and give you all the assistance that you need. Well, let me say a very big thank you to Azel Vogue for clothing me today. You can reach Azel on these numbers uh, 0288 That'll be it for today's edition of The Baby Doctor. A big thank you as well to Think Media. Anything media, Think Media has got you covered on that. We'll see you again. In our next episode, I'm Bernice Abubedulansa. Until then, take care and always remember that babies are special and that's why we give them all the attention they deserve. <laughs>for voters registration exercise from 12th September to 2nd October 2023 to enable citizens who have turned 18 years or persons who have not previously registered to visit the EC office in their district and register as a voter ahead of the upcoming district level elections 2023. The registration exercise is in line with the commission's mandate to compile the register of voters and revise it at such periods as may be determined by law. Every eligible Ghanaian should visit the EC office in their district and present their Ghana card or passport 
for inclusion in the voters' register. Applicants who do not have a Ghana card or passport are required to bring two persons who are already registered voters to guarantee their registration. Do not register again if you have lost your voter ID card. Replacement of voter ID cards will start from 3rd October 2023 after the registration exercise. Transfer of votes will also be done from 3rd October to 9th October 2023. It is a criminal offense for a guarantor to guarantee for more than 10 people, non-Ghanaians and persons who are not 18 years of age. Guarantors who violate this provision will be prosecuted. The voter registration exercise is part of efforts to ensure credible, transparent and peaceful elections in Ghana. Register to vote. Your vote is your power. The voter registration exercise 2023 is here with us now. Hi, now let me share my wildlife experience with you at Safari Valley Eco Park. Welcome to Safari Valley Eco Park. Our electric shuttle pulled up and in no time our tour began. We were surrounded by a wildlife from the moment we entered the Eco Park. We were greeted by experienced tour guides who took us through orientation and how to better enjoy the experience. Watch these animals roam freely in their natural habitat, undisturbed by our presence. We saw zebras, sable antelope, brown crane, mara, silky chicken, nyalas, Shetland ponies, and so many animals I just couldn't keep up. Our tour guides taught us so much about the wildlife, their behavior, and how to interact with them. I even fed them. We also went fishing on a man-made canal. Then we took a break to have lunch in this serene environment. All this amazing experience for this prize for adults, this prize for teenagers. It's a bargain. As the sun began to set, it was time to go back home, but not before dinner by the campfire. It has been a thrill of a lifetime and I can't wait till my next visit. Safari Valley Eco Park, bringing you closer to nature. It's the Premier League, all on DSTV. All the goals, clashes and moments. All of Rashford, Salah and Saka. Let's start, let's get it better and better. All in the language of your choice, all in HD. Available on all these bouquets to choose from, to watch on all these devices. Get DSTV with an HD decoder plus one month compact for 299 CDs. It's the Premier League, all on DSTV. Hello there. To provide timely information and to explain educational reforms and to discuss school models and interventions, the Ministry of Education, in partnership with the Teacher Education Journal, presents to you the first ever education TV talk show, The Edu Talk Show. The Edu Talk Show keeps you informed and updated on trends in the world of education. The Ghanaian teacher is so versatile. Provide him the opportunity, train him, and that teacher will perform wonders. Where are the women? They are doing very well academically, but they're not in the sciences and all of that. So technology is missing a lot more women that they could have had. You need to tell the parents, at the moment, what you are getting is, is covering only an aspect of your child's education. And therefore, it's very difficult for you to make any decision with the limited information you have. We still have more to do mm. when it comes to safe school. Mm. So join us as we speak to our guests on reforms taking place in Ghana's education sector. My name is Blessed Suga and I am your host. Welcome to the 77%. My name is Edith Kimani and today I'm coming to you from a place of cool waters, Nairobi. 
On this episode, we want to find out what steps and strides young Africans are taking in the world of science. Here's what we've got. We'll meet young researchers from the continent to find out what it takes to become an actual scientist. We'll find out why Tanzanian school children are suddenly crazy about physics and chemistry. And we've got a few surprises in store for you. Stay tuned. Now, science plays an incredibly important role in all of our lives, from innovations in technology to understanding and studying the world around us. The question is, would you choose a career in it? I for sure would not. I was proficient in physics for about two minutes before I realized that it wasn't for me. But some of my other friends did it effortlessly, not unlike some young Kenyan researchers who we met. They gave us a glimpse into what it takes to build a career in science. My name is Laura Nyasita Ondari. I am a bioinformatician here at the International Institute of Tropical Agriculture. I do have a background in medical biochemistry, but I major in scientific research across the board. Growing up, I did enjoy science subjects. My primary school, I enjoyed science. I excelled at science, but I also enjoyed watching uh, scientific programs on DSTV like Mindset and Science and Stupid. I remember watching them and feeling like I want to understand these things the same way the person is explaining them. Today, Laura works with Big Data at the International Institute of Tropical Agriculture in Kenya. Her team is working on decoding the genetic makeup of plants. The ultimate goal is to create varieties which are resistant to devastating pests and diseases. There are a variety of things that farmers would be looking for in a desired plant. So number one, of course, it has to be resistant to disease. You don't want to grow a plant that can easily be attacked by diseases and then it dies. But also you want to have plants that can produce a lot of yield. With a state of food security, you want to have plants that you know, can feed your family and you can still maybe sell some for extra chain. Right now, Laura and her lab team are working on the bacterial disease banana xanthomonas wilt that is widespread in East Africa. If infected, farmers can lose between 50 to 100 percent of their banana harvest. They manipulate the genetic makeup of banana plants, which are then grown in a controlled environment. The plant's DNA is then tested to see if the modification was successful. The hope is that farmers will be able to grow the improved varieties in just a few years. While Laura's familiar with the lab processes from her college days, her job now involves decoding the genetic data through bioinformatics. So bioinformatics is an interdisciplinary field between computer science, biology and statistics. So it presents a lot of opportunities for young people to tap into this field because number one, it's, a gr it's growing in demand. A lot of biological research that's done within Kenya and within Africa will at some point require bioinformatics analysis. Together with some of her colleagues, Laura is part of the Bioinformatics Hub of Kenya, a network of young researchers who want to build up the field of bioinformatics in the country. So they reach out to undergraduate students who otherwise might not know much about the subject. In research, you're trying to answer questions, biological questions, and the fact that each and every time you want to solve uh, a bigger puzzle, it's always uh, fascinating. 
And so we find it really useful to visit uh, undergraduate students because probably they just get a few time to know about bioinformatics but really don't know the application aspect of it. While more and more scientific research is coming out of Africa, the opportunities for young researchers like themselves are still far and few between. There aren't enough research institutions and most of the funding still comes from abroad. It's unfortunate to say, but I mean, I will always encourage my, my friends or people who we studied the master's level or PhD to always come back home, you know, and, you know, give back to the community. Of course, everyone wants to always think about green, greener pasture, but again, we are losing this uh, brilliant uh, brain outside, yeah. The team hopes that one day they can build their own institution where students and researchers learn and work. For Laura, who is just at the beginning of her career, a PhD in bioinformatics is the logical next step. Who knows what groundbreaking research and recognitions might lie ahead. So just a little fact for you. Did you know that just over 1% of researchers worldwide are based in Africa? Yeah, that's crazy. And that's according to UNESCO. So it would be great to see opportunities that young researcher like Laura and her colleagues grow. In the meantime, we're about to get scientific. And of course, I can't be trusted to do this myself. So I've been asked to wear these goggles. I actually don't know what we're about to do because I wanted it to be an experience for all of us. So let's go. So, as I just <laughs> get over that, <laughs> yeah, this is Ruth Kimani, everyone. Yeah. Can you tell us what's happening right now? What did I just walk into? You literally touched clouds. It's really cold. This is, this, is, this is what it would feel like if you just popped the aeroplane window open and then just touched the clouds as you're up there. So what is this exactly? What is creating this? So from science, uh, we learned that condensation happens when hot air rises, when, when, when hot air touches the water bodies, and then evaporation happens. Up there, it's very cold. The clouds, the clouds are very cold. So once the hot air comes up and evaporation, and then the cold, the cold and the hot coming together, it precipitates to form now, now this is the first, to, to form the clouds. Okay, so this is part of what you do here. Um, yes. Actually, tell us where we are and what you do. I am Ruth Kimani, yes. science communicator, public engagement practitioner at Fund and Education Global Network. So we demystify science, STEM, which is science, technology, engineering, and mathematics, where we are able to engage children across all educational levels. We start even with the nursery level, wow, primary so really level, young. yeah, and also tertiary levels also, but mostly young people. Okay, yeah. and so how do the students react when they see this? I mean, I'm a grown-up, I know what's going on, and yet it's so fascinating. Yeah. So for kids, it must really do something in connecting them with science. Yes, it really does. And just as your reaction is, whoa, the, cloud, the, the children are mostly usually just want to run up and just touch it and just want to even dip their fingers inside and just feel what is really happening. Because what we had inside the bucket was liquid nitrogen and yeah. liquid nitrogen is usually stored in flasks 
and it is stored at negative 197 degrees. Wow. So once, once I added hot water, hot water was already in the jug, and then poured in, what happens now is that reaction, which now forms the clouds. Yeah. So it's just a little demonstration of how clouds are formed. That all happened very quickly. <laughs> Let's do yes. that again. Yes. Let's do that again. <laughs> okay. Are you ready? I'm ready. <laughs> it is huge. Yeah. Wow, this is beautiful. So what you can hear is like ice form because you can already hear the contraction happening. This, this, I yeah. feel like I'm in some place out of space. This is one of the most magical experiences yes, I've is. ever had. It, 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 it never grows old, even to us who have, who have done it over and over again, it never grows old. Wow, yeah. this is great. Yeah. Now, there are actually people who are already making clouds or rather supporting and aiding cloud formation. It's called cloud seeding. They use different chemicals than what we used here, but this is what it's all about. Have you ever heard of cloud seeding? In times of drought, countries like Niger and Mali have used this technique to support cloud formation and increase the chance of rainfall. First, people must know that the meteorological department does not make clouds. This is the prerogative of God. But we know the physical and chemical processes of cloud formation and rain so we act on this process by improving it with certain chemicals, which we spray into the clouds to cause rain. The team is about to take off on board the small plane for the cloud seeding mission. The plane is equipped with cartridges carrying chemical compounds such as silver, sodium and acetone. This aircraft is capable of seeding clouds at low and high altitudes. Here we have hydro. This material is used for seeding at low altitudes, either inside the storm or below. Down here, we have products used for high altitudes. For those, we go above the storm to eject them. While cloud seeding is supposed to help farmers, there are different opinions on how effective it is and whether changing the weather could in fact be a bit more than us humans can handle. So we're still here having fun and being educated. And Ruth, it just struck me that when I was in school, I really hated anything to do with science. Why do you think it's so difficult for people like me to love the work that you do? I think it goes back to different interests first. But then again, I'd also want to kind of blame it on uh, not the system as a whole, but us not us as students never been engaged on hands-on activities. Mm -hmm. Because when I talk about potassium, potassium iodide, what, what is that? Mm -hmm. How do you relate with that? What is, what, have you ever even interacted with it? What does it do? So when, you, when, when, when in school you, you, you write equations, um, very long equations, ambiguous equations, but when you actually come to interact with it, I think now, the, you know, when it's fun, when yeah. it's engaging, you start shifting now the mindset, oh, science could be fun. So what are we about to do? You talked about potassium? Yes, potassium iodide. Potassium iodide and hydrogen peroxide. Hydrogen peroxide. Okay. Yes. What are they and what are we about to do? <laughs> so we're about to make an elephant toothpaste. Elephants brush their teeth? Apparently so. <laughs> yes. So the reaction, the, the result is a 
big form. Okay. So that's why we call it an elephant toothpaste because elephants are associated with something huge, something big, yeah? So what you're trying to show here today is how reactions take place. So I have soap with me. The green stuff is a soap? Yes, the green stuff is a soap. And what is... This is food color, just mm-hmm. color to be able to to add more bazaars or... <laughs> for drama. Oh, yes, please. So for drama, as you said, or color. Uh-huh. More science with color reactions. Science, yes. Blue and red. So I'm going to put this here, mm-hmm. this flask. Mm-hmm. And then I'm going to add potassium iodide, which is a catalyst. And maybe to take you back to science class again, mm-hmm. um, a catalyst is something that we used to catalyze, or rather, fast in a reaction, yes? So this is potassium iodide is our catalyst today. So I'm going to add it. Maybe you can step back. You don't need to tell me twice. <laughs> oh, that scared me. Yes, yes, <laughs> yes. Oh my goodness, it's all the way up there. Yeah. Oh, it's very warm, it's, it's hot. Very, yes, it's so that's hot. an exothermic reaction, mm-hmm. if you can remember. An exothermic reaction is a reaction that gives energy, right? That produces energy. And that's why you, you can feel the warmth around it. And so what do you use this for? Is it just for the purposes of demonstrating something or does it have an, a value? This is now just to demonstrate and show you how reactions take place yeah. and just be able to behold it with your naked eye. And also on my left here, I have something, it's called a PU foam. Mm-hmm. You, can, you can just touch it. It's like a foam. I had yeah. prepared that earlier. Oh. Down is used, it's just, it's just uh, chemicals that are mixed together to form a foam. Um, majorly in construction industry, mm-hmm. we find that there's a foam that is usually applied in, for insulation. For insulation, yeah. yeah. So that is what... This is, is, yeah. Yes. Okay, I yes. like that. You've really just broken down everything. It yeah. makes it accessible and true to what you've said. Yeah. It is fun. Yeah. So we keep learning. We keep learning, we keep growing. And we keep having fun. Yes, please. I love that. Thank you so much to Ruth (laughs) and the entire team here at Fun and Education. Pleasure. So speaking of how we can put science to good use, something that has everyone on edge at the moment is AI or artificial intelligence. On the one hand, many of us are already using AI to help us answer questions or even translate languages. But on the other hand, we're also asking ourselves, How much power should we really give this technology and can it be trusted? Well, we wanted to find out how AI can be used to make a positive impact and we found some Ghanaian innovators who are doing just that. And up it goes. The drone that captures the views that help cashew farmers monitor their crops. The images they capture are processed with a machine learning tool to detect pests and diseases so farmers can take steps to prevent their crops from serious damage. Andrews Kanga and his team from Kara Agro are behind the technology. Once they, they get this, they know exactly what is wrong in the farm, not that they have to go and scout and try to figure out what is wrong. With this, they can just, the application pinpoint exactly what is wrong, abiotic, whether it's disease, whether it's pest that is uh, disturbing the farm, then they can control it. At the Kolebu Teaching Hospital in Accra, Artificial is also making its debut. Here, an AI platform is helping healthcare workers read X-ray images more effectively. It picks the diagnosis faster, reporting time is 
very markedly reduced when you are using AI systems. With a shortage of health workers in many hospitals, the developers of the Mino Health platform want their AI tool to fill the gaps. The only way we can actually catch up with the rest of the world is to leapfrog, and this creates a platform for us to leapfrog. And what other way to leapfrog than with AI-powered robots? This one's called Cello, and its developer, Benjamin Note, has programmed it to be a personal assistant, answer questions, or even help you take your medication at the right time. You can use Cello to you know, assist the elderly um, within the customer service environment. You can actually place opposition child there to perform, um, you know, guide people who come around the supermarket, you know, display prices. This new technology is seen by many as a way to boost economies and create new jobs, and Ghana wants to have a bite of that. But there are fears that existing jobs could be at risk. Generally, people should be willing to upskill and then, uh, yeah, upskill themselves, learn new skills, learn how to use AI system. How would AI help make your job easier? You need to start leveraging those stuff. In the meantime, these developers keep pursuing new ideas and solutions they believe can change the fortunes for people in Ghana and beyond. I'm sure we'll be hearing more and more about where the use of AI is taking us. Perhaps you can tell us what you make of it. What do you use AI for, if at all? And have you had any good or bad experiences with it? Well, okay, we have one more innovator to meet. He's a young man from Uganda, and he's actually designed a mini computer, which he claims is more affordable and practical than those that you and I probably use. I know you want to see this, so let's have a look. Access to technology in today's day and age, that is something that still remains a privilege for those who can afford it. Local software engineer Ivan Karugaba believes everyone should be able to access computers. So he put his money where his mouth is. In 2017, he designed an affordable mini-computer, which he calls the Fuse Stick. When you look at Africa as a continent, we are very much left behind uh, by other nations and uh, worlds in terms of technology. So. What I see eventually is uh, to change uh, the, the, the perspective uh, that people have about Africa, that we cannot innovate, we cannot make things of our own. So uh, through making things of our own, uh, people will actually get more access to these things. The mini computers looks and function similar to a memory stick, except it's loaded with normal computer programs. Simply plug it into any smart screen, and hey presto, you've got yourself a fully functioning computer. But its biggest draw card could be its cost. The few stick currently costs around $70, making it about five times more affordable than conventional computers in Uganda. Dental student Samantha Simwe got a hand on a test unit and has been using it ever since. I purchased one at just 250000 and it's been great ever since because um, I can do all my work on the, on the TV, literally. I print my reports, I, I write them down, I store my information. It also has my music as well. I can plug in my headsets and you know, listen to music once in a while. Karugaba's mini computer uses relatively little energy 
He hopes this will bring down the cost even further. Our device uses uh, uh, around 4 watts uh, to power. 4 watts is quite low. It's actually way less than most energy-saving bulbs. So uh, when you look at the, the burden now that we give to the end user who already has difficulties in paying for the, the, the energy here locally, uh, it is quite more efficient than the, the usual because uh, a normal laptop uses around 65 watts. Then a desktop setup uh, will use about 125 watts. Overflowing dam sites like this is where most of the waste in Kampala lands. This includes e-waste like old discarded computers. By compressing desktop technology into pocket-sized devices, Karugaba wants to minimize his footprint on the environment. So with a smaller device means less material, and with less material, eventually after the product's life cycle, uh, when it comes to disposing of the product, you'll have less waste. In the last two years, Karugaba has produced over 150 mini computers. Having just received the funding to produce more devices, Karugaba hopes to scale his production and break into the market. So, from what we've just seen with Ruth, we know that learning science, even as a child, can actually be fun, especially if you love discovering and experimenting. So after working and studying abroad, a Tanzanian doctor wanted to provide their students with a place where they can discover the world of science outside the classroom. And he's built a whole center just for this. My name is Widiko Edward, a medical doctor and a PhD scientist. I'm the co-founder of Project Inspire and we inspired to build the first Disneyland for science in Africa. I was born in Tanzania, in Dar es Salaam, actually, and we had a very beautiful growing environment with my siblings. When I finished my first degree in medicine, I was thinking I need to get out of this country and get more exposure, apart from just seeing the things in TV. And I applied for a scholarship, direct entry from MD to go to a PhD at Uppsala University in Sweden. So I spent five uh, years of my life around it. When I left uh, the country to Sweden, I was interested to see what life has to offer out there. And I had thoughts of staying, but before I left, I had already started Project Inspire. And that is one thing that's really, really was driving me to come back and say, okay, um, I'm going outside to gather as much as I can so that when I come back, I'm as useful as I can be. The question of the importance of science, technology, engineering, and mathematics, like STEM uh, in an African context, is that science, technology, engineering, and math is the one that has progressed humanity so far. And Africa as a continent and, uh, has a lot of opportunities to capture and leapfrog to you know, success that other countries have. I've been Tanzanian born, raised, and educated at least to my, my first degree in medicine. And I've gone through public schools and I've gone through private schools. So I have a good taste of both worlds. And being in a diaspora opened up my mind in terms of, okay, um, it could be better. And then it became a personal mission to give these 
experience that I didn't get growing up in an academic situation to young people who need uh, to have that. So to me it's more personal. Uh, one of the major things that I learned is um, I did not know much about myself and this experience of coming back, change of environment and the work I do has really taught me much about uh, what I can do. In Project Inspire we have three main major programs. One is uh, for kids who are coming up three years to 14 years. The second main project is to package these experiences that kids have in projects in science kits. And the third last project is with secondary school kids. And this is, is uh, we're doing boot camps every year. We throw them problems. It's an outbreak of cholera. How can you use science, technology, engineering, math to solve that? And they pull practical knowledge to make sure that what they learn makes sense. My advice to uh, other diaspora in other continents, in US, Sweden, whoever, there's a lot of room for growth and relevance in our continent. And we are the only ones who are going to capture it. We should, we should do it. We should come back and grow this continent, leapfrog, you know. Well, that's all we have for you today. I hope you enjoyed the show and learned something new. I know I did. As always, feel free to tell us what you think. You can find us on YouTube, Instagram, and don't forget TikTok. We can't wait to hear from you. As usual, thank you for your company today. See you next time. Kwaherini. Bye-bye. I am the founder and president of the National Beekeepers Association. I formed the association in the year 2000 with about 10 farmers in Ukraine and the Bono East region. I was by then working with a rural bank there as head of credit. So we gave some loans to some farmers, but repayment was an issue. Researching into it, I realized that though the farmers did uh, all that they were told by the agri-extension officers by following the cultural practices, yield was so low. So my research led me to know that they are lacking high pollinator services that will lead to increase in crop productivity. So I brought them together and started to teach them. And we know the best pollinators are bees. Unfortunately, cashew and all the plants, they cultivate the are pollinated by bees. So we started the training and the following year harvest improved, they paid their loans and they had money in their account. I suffered the lack of knowing that and harvesting poor crops because of my parents who were peasant farmers and we didn't get much. But knowing that doing this will increase crop productivity, enhance your farm income, motivated me and I've dedicated my life to supporting smallholder farmers. We have trained in total over 5,000 farmers have benefited. What we do is to train in communities so the trainees 
getting it will also go into other communities and keep training. So I say conservatively we've trained over 5,000, but it could be more. Joy News, Joy Business program is known everywhere. They are online, they are everywhere. So it's going to send us to every corner of the earth. That's the best we can get. Farmers anywhere in Ghana and outside Ghana will also get to know what we are doing. So they will definitely be calling us for support. We want people to get in and support and to reach out to them. The invitations come, but we are limited in terms of resources to move to those areas. News is important. It's the only way you get to know the things that happen around you, what affects you today and the future. A Joy News. We have reporters scattered around the country who tell us about the communities they live in, the people and their stories. The key part of our job here at Joy News is to make clearer the muffled voices in every part of society. We shine light on the issues. My name is Aisha Ibrahim and this is Joy News. Independent, credible and fearless. Our passion is to inform, empower, entertain, and inspire. Joy News. Independent. Fearless. Credible. Hello there. To provide timely information and to explain educational reforms and to discuss school models and interventions, the Ministry of Education, in partnership with the Teacher Education Journal, presents to you the first ever education TV talk show, The Edu Talk Show. The Edu Talk Show keeps you informed and updated on trends in the world of education. The Ghanaian teacher is so versatile. Provide him the opportunity, train him, and that teacher will perform wonders. Where are the women? They are doing very well academically, but they're not in the sciences and all of that. So technology is missing a lot more women that they could have had. You need to tell the parents, at the moment, what you are getting is, is covering only an aspect of your child's education. And therefore, it's very difficult for you to make any decision with the limited information you have. We still have more to do mm. when it comes to safe school. Mm. So join us as we speak to our guests on reforms taking place in Ghana's education sector. My name is Blessed Suga and I am your host. So I came home earlier than I normally would that fateful Monday after work and to my surprise I saw my husband and my mother having sex in our living room. I had always suspected my wife. I felt she had something doing with my little brother. And I walked into a room one day, and there they were, making out. And this is my blood brother. A husband, who is a banker, will not have sex with me because I denied him my anus. Is he gay? I've been wondering. What is your story? 
What secret is eating you up? Why are you having continual sleepless nights? Do you need help? Share your story on our powerful new series where real people share their deepest secrets on Prime Morning beginning this September. Drop your stories on our WhatsApp number 055-157-5757. Remember, a problem shared is a problem half solved. And every problem has a solution. long haul chief one chief one chief one so you you stand here yes normally you stand here the dj somewhere here okay the speakers here and you'll be playing it loud that's, that's all i haven't used but you how 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 was let me let me see you want to sit down yeah we, we have to we have to sit down okay how was how was uh can i sit here Okay. Chief can sit here. Okay. Chief yeah. can sit here. Right. Okay. Oh well. I miss this. <laughs> yeah, we're back. How many yeah. years now? Yeah, it's, it's been long. How many <laughs> years now? Oh, yes. I think six years. Six years. Yeah. You know, the, um, the bit about education, you know, uh, back in the days, usually um, when we when we set off to, to, to become whoever we want to become. Yeah. Usually music or entertainment is not really part of yes, the, you know, plans. The, uh, the, the plans. Yeah. But uh, for some reason, you have uh, worked your way out of that. You haven't ha I, I know that I've asked you this question, whether um, music has always been, been, been it, the goal. But when you were growing up, you didn't think that um, you wanted to do something else apart from uh, this entertainment business that you're in? No. Yes. No. Normally we do hustle, mm. gather money, and record. When you say hustle, hustle. tell know, me about... Here in Ethiopia, the only hustle is tomatoes. Right. We not farm, but we offload right. tomatoes. You know, people do come from way far and they will load tomatoes and you afford it or you load it. Right. You understand? So that's when you go one, two, three, you have some little coins and you gather you go and, and you record. record. Way back, you know, my people, they love me. Even my, my teachers, sometimes they do give me money to go and record. Wow. Yes. So I you have some teachers here. Any name? That, any name that comes oh, to comes This to name, answer. I'm forgetting it. I'm forgetting their name. I'm sure they will appreciate yes, you. Yes, yes. Uh, Madam Gifty. Okay. Madam Gifty, yes. And one teacher here, like, it, it's a nickname, Madafaka. Okay. That's the name, Madafaka, yeah. He do give me money, oh, go and run your things. Well, why do you think so? Because they love me. You know, anytime entertainment, not just here, way back my 
primary school, school. to JHS. I attended this thing to the uh, Covenant Preparatory School to go back to our the entertainment Perfect. preferred. So anytime I'm going on stage, it's a different vibe. They love me. The vibe is different. They love to see me more. They know I'm doing something different. Mm. You understand? So they, they got that dream clear way back. Way Not back. today, yeah. Mm. They got it clear, yeah. As an entertainment so. prefect here as your P senior high school, mm. what was your role, your main major role, apart from you performing and, and leading, you know, the whole my, activities? Way back, my aim was to let people hear of my school way back. Mm. You understand? So even, uh, inter, you know, inter-schools, I do represent my school for rap battles and okay. all those stuff. I have a couple of friends. We go and meet other schools. This school, this school was very young. At that time? Yes, at that time. So I do, I project my school with the badge, everything, go around, perform, mm. you know, pull crowd and all those stuff. That was it. And the, 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 the dream was to see people from this school mm. making it in the creative world, yeah, like musician or mm. some something like that, uh, actors, movie actors who oh, come yeah. out from this side, you understand? So that that was all. It, it's been seven years since you you left school. Have yeah. you seen you know any of the dreams that you mentioned come come through apart from um, you, you, yourself? I, yes, I think Gati Promise now is a media person Just working uh, at uh, V1 TV and other. Wow. A distance. So I think that's that's the only one I can remember. But, because yeah. a lot of people they are doing great. Just yeah. like I can't check on most of them I even forget Forgo them. Yeah, yeah. Forgot it's, them. It, it's been so years. And do you, do you by any chance have like a favorite subject back here in school? Favorite subject? Mm -hmm. I think English. Okay. Yes. English should be a favorite. Yes. And, 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 and any challenges from, from here as, as a student, as the very first student who has been registered in new lot. school? Yes, a lot. But I, <laughs> my life, I don't see it as a challenge. It's okay. just a process I'm, I'm passing through. No, well, if, if you share the challenges, no. you can share an answer you know to the challenge. You, way back, you were like, ah, can I share memory with mm -hmm. you? Mm -hmm. You know, I was currently with one of the teachers way back. But entertainment nights, as I climb stage, this teacher spread me a lot of money. Mm. We were not okay before the that night. Right. Yes. Right. Said Dali. Said Dali. Yeah. But he spread me money, and everybody was happy. I was happy as well. So. 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 Uh, from what you're saying or from the conversation so far, yeah. I deduced that you, you've had a lot of support yes, that's for a, this uh, music business that you want yes, to, or, or you're embarking on, or yes, you're still on. Yes. You have a lot, a lot of support and yeah. you have the passion yes, for well, it. Yes. Let's talk about your songs. Um, uh, what was your first song? I can't remember. Mm, but how because many songs? Because way back, even a, a primary you know, my, my grandmom was a teacher. Mm. She's no more. Do rest, rest in peace. Yeah. Anytime she... 
Every fan knows the right player in the right position can be a game changer. Put LifeLock between your identity and identity thieves to monitor and alert you to threats you could miss. Plus, with a U.S.-based restoration specialist on your team, you won't have to face drained accounts, fraudulent loans, or other losses from identity theft alone. All backed by the LifeLock Million Dollar Protection Package. Change the game on identity theft. Save up to 25% your first year at LifeLock.com slash aware.